Communication is one of the key elements of, I want to say survival in the workplace today. Uh, maybe not survival, but definitely it's a key element of success, effective communication, maybe even communicating with influence. Well, today we've got someone who knows all about it. She's studied for many, many years, and you'll find from the conversation we have, she's spent a lot of money traveling the world, finding the best of the best to try and learn from them. So let's find out some of the lessons and messages that she found and how we can apply that so we can be more successful. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. It's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Now, today I have the People Whisperer. She is a multi-talented individual with a ton of different certifications and also publications. She's got white papers, she's got discussion papers, she's got books. She is one smart cookie and she knows all about people and she's my guest here today. Please welcome Annalie Blundell. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Hey, I'm going to start the same way I always start and people are expecting it now. How do you define success? Firstly, I love that question because we do not talk about that enough. And I see so many people, my clients, my colleagues, friends, who are pushing through their lives towards a definition of success that I don't even think they've really even examined. So I love that you're asking this question, uh, and I love that you have a whole podcast on this question. Now, to the answer. So for me, my definition of success is around a number of ideas. One is courage. One is congruence and one is choice and they all come together. So it's actually about having the courage to make a choice that's congruent with your own values and who you are. So when I look at, for example, if I examine my life, so I've been doing um, my work, my current work as a, you know author, speaker, communication expert for the past 13 years. Before that, I was a corporate a corporate person. Uh, I call myself a corporate refugee now. Um, uh, yes, I was working. In, I worked for the man, Warwick. I worked for the man. Oh, dear. Not even the person. Not the even man. the person. No, because I worked in a bank. Oh. So I really worked for the man or even the men. Um, but back then, I didn't, you know, if I wanted to do something, if I wanted a training program or I wanted to um, sort of pursue a particular interest, it had to be in line with the business, of course. And in the work that I do now, my whole work is around people, as you know. Um, that means I need to understand people from many different lenses, psychological aspects, communication, personality, motivation. So I am a uh, learning and development junkie. So what that means is I've spent probably about 15 to 30 grand every year Every year, this is 13 years now, <laughs> on my own growth and development. And that's everything from, so I've traveled to Canada, Belgium, Tuscany, um, uh, uh, the US, like finding people who are the best at the best at what they do so that I could indulge my own passion because I get to approve all my own leave and all my own training. 
and I have to earn the right to do that in yeah. every single way. But I get to do that because um, that's success for me. Is it's what's important to me is growth and development, being the best at what I do in the best way I know how, which is continually learning, continually growing, um, building my craft. And I don't want someone who's my boss to say, well, your um, PD spend for the year is $1,000, Emily, because no. that will not cut it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not this day and age. No. So um, I'm fascinated traveling all over the place to look for these people who are the best, the best, the best. Have you ever signed up and traveled halfway around to some event and found out this has not been worth it? Goodness, that's a good question. Short answer is no. The short answer is no. I have travelled the world and attended programs where I've held perhaps some of the attendees or the community that would attend those sorts of programs in very high esteem, perhaps a little higher than (laughs) they may have deserved um which has again been really interesting because it comes to this idea of what success so i remember you know growing up quote unquote you can't see that listeners but that's quoting quoting marks i'm using air quotes the air quotes thank you um you know when i was growing up in this current field that i'm in around communication and influence i would look to people in the industry and I'd say, ooh, look at their qualifications. Look at who they've been working with and automatically bump them up onto this pedestal. And then I would work with them. I would talk with them. And I'd say, wow, you're an expert in blah, and yet you can't even blah? How, how does that happen? Mm. And so I started to really question the value of the marketing. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but everyone is the world's leading expert in X. Oh, or, yes. you know, Australia's most blah, blah, whatever. And it, it can't all be true, people. It can't all be true. <laughs> no, no, but if you see it on the internet, it has to be true. Of course, of course, it's true. Uh-huh. It has to be thinking? true. But that's the thing. With some of the events that you go to, there's some magnificent learning, but it's not happening on stage. It's happening about, you know, you'll hear someone in the audience say something and go, oh, that's gold, or the conversations in the hallways, or there'll be a realisation that you'll come to that's facilitated by the experience mm. and that alone has been worth it. Have, have you found that with the places that you've gone? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, having had the opportunity to meet mostly wonderful people, um, in fact, the people that I thought I was going for, i.e., you know, that big guru, it was actually the people who I met in the room um, and the conversations we would have, as you so rightly point out, in the breaks or mm. afterwards. And in fact, I've I've got what I call a, I guess it's a, a board of directors, if you like, or a board of mentors, where I feel like I have this amazing board of of mentors and sponsors and supporters, which I've had my whole life. But when you run your own business, it's it's different because you know there's really nothing in it for them. When you work in a workplace, people might be grooming you for the next level. But when you're, when you're on your own, no one's grooming you for any particular reason. Yeah. So I've been really fortunate in having people from all over the world in different genres really take me under their wing. And, you know, we'll, we'll check in a couple of times a year over Skype because, you know, they're, they're global. They're global. Well, of course they're global. They're global, which means they're more fantastic. And uh, <laughs> not to underrate anyone here in Australia, all my wonderful mentors here in yeah. Australia. Um, but, yeah, that's been really fabulous as yeah, well. Yeah. 
it, it is interesting, isn't it, how if someone comes from overseas, we all go, oh, they're from overseas, they must be better. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting as a speaker, and I know you're a speaker as well, I've been to some of the American speaker conferences thinking that, oh, well, look, they're Americans and they do these events all the time. And I've got to tell you, we Australians do, do speaking events incredibly well yes. and have really good speakers. So, yes. uh, listeners, there's something to be said for homegrown talent, which just cannot be surpassed. So I want to talk to you about your um, uh, people whispering abilities and your people whispering business. So when you know, you've been running your business for 13 years, you mm-hmm. said, what were some of the early challenges that you had that you just weren't expecting? Obviously, people sort of go, oh my God, cash flow is going to be an issue until I get off the ground and you know I've left full-time employment. Oh my goodness. Um, but there are always issues that hit us we are not expecting. What were they and how did you deal with them? So when I first started my business, I thought, in fact, there were times when I kid you not, I picked, my computer didn't work. I was having a glitch, something happened. And because I'd come from ANZ and I knew the IVR number, you know, this is the help desk number for when your computer has a glitch. And I, (laughs) a couple of times, I picked up the phone and I punched in that number and nobody answered the phone. (laughs) And not only did they not answer the phone, I... I, (laughs) There was no one to answer the phone. And I thought, oh, okay, I have to find somebody to fix my computer. And it didn't stop there. Mm. Someone had to fix my computer, help me with the bookkeeping. I had to go buy my own stationery. Like, where was the stationery cupboard? Come on, like, you know, I've got post-it notes to steal and take home. What the hell? (laughs) If I had known I'd do so much shopping at (laughs) Officeworks, I would have taken a lot more before I left. So, you know, just little things where you, you think that you're entering a business because of the skill you have. And obviously that's why we do what we do. And when you start a small business, you have no idea that you have to do everything, marketing, sales, designing, you know, delivery, everything. Um, You know, it's almost that example of, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just get my accounts department to send something through and then you send that email from your accounts department, wink, wink, uh, a second email address, you know, so that you can feel a little bit bigger than you are at the beginning. Uh, now, I genuinely have an accounts department, but it does, it does, you know, it's hard to chase up your own invoices. It doesn't, it feels a little, <laughs> I don't know. You've got to do your own it's, grunt work. It's in bad taste. Yeah, you know? yeah, Hi, yeah. can you pay the invoice <laughs> I've just sent you? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so doing things that I didn't expect was everything I didn't expect. Um, and as I got more used to it, I realized that my success was so much off the back of my, my support network, my suppliers, my graphic designer, I can't live without. Now I've got my support staff who I can't live without. Um, and all those things that I used to have to do from the beginning that I had no idea about, I now actually get people who know what they're doing. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's a very wise move to get people who know what they're doing. And, and it really is. It's a lot of these little support things, even if it's getting an app that can do some stuff to make things so much easier. Hey, um, so as the people whisperer, what is something that people do wrong? Because a lot of some business will say, oh, it's different for us. We don't have that issue with people, and, and typically they do. So <laughs> what, what is something that people do wrong a lot that's very easy to fix? Uh, I'm not sure we have enough time in this podcast. <laughs> Give us let, your top two. Give us your top two. All right, let me, let me pare it down for you. 
So when it comes, so I work in the space of what I call interpersonal intelligence. Essentially, this is about helping people with their people skills. Yeah. yeah? Um, so this this is around influence. It's around engagement. It's around communicating in ways where people are heard in the ways they want to be heard. So whether I'm working with someone at the top of the organization or at the bottom, one of the things that I see people struggling with the most is clear and congruent communication. So otherwise known as the critical conversation or the hard conversation. Uh, people just struggle to say what they really want to say. And often I'll get people to, um, you know, when I'm in a one-on-one session with them, you know, we'll talk about what needs to be said in this, you know, conversation with somebody else. And, and, I'll, and I'll put them on the spot and I'll say, okay, let's imagine I'm them right now. You know, what, what, what would you want to say? And they, they always do the same thing. Oh, oh, uh, um, well, I have to think about it. I have to draft it. You know, I have to get the words exactly perfect because this is a really hard message. And I say, yeah, 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 yeah. But let's imagine you're going to say it and then like the sort of, you know, have a magic pill. You rewind and they don't get to hear it. So you can say whatever you want and it doesn't matter how you say it, how tactful or otherwise. And they go, oh, okay. Well, I really want to say is I didn't appreciate the way you did that and I'd really like to work on a different solution next time. And I say, hmm, that sounds pretty good to me. How did that sound to you? And they go, well, that sounds pretty easy, actually. I'm like, huh. So one of the big lessons that I work with with people is this whole idea of communication, you know, particularly with a hard conversation. We feel that it is a confrontation, regardless of the actual conversation. But the other person on the other end, more often than not, just receive it as a conversation so if you enter it in as this is just a conversation, they'll receive it more likely as just a conversation. And then you can just sound like a regular human <laughs> and just say what you want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not that pre-scripted, like robotic, it's so tense that you can cut the air kind of no, conversation. No, and the thing with that is, is when you're trying too hard and you're really anxious about a conversation, you, you would have heard these things of mirror neurons, right? So we know that emotions are contagious. We know that the way you show up affects somebody and the way they receive you. So if you've ever walked into a room when two people have been fighting and they're not saying anything when you enter the room, but you know they've been fighting... And you go, hmm, you can feel it, right? You can feel it in the air. So that is literally their emotional state leaking out into the environment. And we pick that up. It makes the hair on the back of our neck stand up and we go, there's something going on here. So when you enter into a conversation and you bring that energy or that emotional state with you, it, in, in fact, there's um, studies that show that if you're, for example, they've put um, you know, the electrodes on people and then they're... Um, um, uh, what's the word? They're measuring people's stress responses, um, and they have they get all these people in an audience, and they get a speaker on stage, and they make them really rough, like really, really nervous. You, you know the ones you've seen yeah, the ones, yeah. really, really nervous, and the ones where you're sitting there going, "Oh God, I hope they make it." And uh, as the presenter's blood pressure goes up, so too does the audience's blood pressure. So we know these things are contagious, and so when you enter in a conversation like that. Your state determines the person's state. So if you just relax and go, there's no charge here, there's, you know, it's just a normal conversation, already they're going to be in a better state to receive your message. Um, because one of the other things that we do is, is when we get hijacked, so when we get in a stress response, all of a sudden we overthink our message. Um, we lose access to what we really want to say, just that clear clarity of message. Um, and we don't give people 
when we turn up, we, we stress the other person and they go into a stress response as well. And when that happens in that negative emotional state, literally our lens through which we look at others shortens, like it, it narrows. Yep. So we see people more negatively, we misinterpret cues, we mishear information, and we're more likely to think people are wrong. I'm like, is there no, <laughs> is there any, I can't believe that we can even get on in this world with all that you know, overlaid. Uh, so with, uh, you said before, one of the, the ways to, to prevent all of this is to basically have a draft conversation with yourself or a close person that doesn't really exist. How else can we stop ourselves from getting, you know, we have something we want to say, we think it's a bit confrontational regardless of what anyone else thinks. How do we maintain the, the perspective that it's just a conversation. Like, I'm yeah. just, it's just a simple request. It's not, I'm not having a go at anyone. I'm just saying, look, you know, when you come in here without wearing your shoes, it just it feels a bit disrespectful, you know, without being seen to be having a go at someone and without wanting to be received that way. So how do we, re- how do we remain calm, so to speak? Yes. Okay, the simplest way to do it is to give the people the benefit of the doubt. And what I mean by that is we bring to the conversation the stories we make up about people's intentions, why they're coming with no shoes on, they're doing it just to annoy us, we've already had this conversation, they're doing it just to dig their heels in, they always do this, but that's just the way they are. <laughs> and, this, and you see this happen all the time. So part of, again, the work I'm doing, whether I'm working in teams, this happens a lot, um, people are needing to work together and collaborate or influence and engage one of the things that happens is when people are getting resistance, it's because they enter into that exchange with assumptions that don't serve. So they're in there going, this person's intention is X. And I go, oh, are you sure? What if it was Y? So my great example is road rage. So I say, okay, so road rage, you're driving along and somebody cuts you off in traffic and the automatic response for a lot of people is flip them the bird or on the horn straight away. And I say, okay, so imagine if that person was your wife or husband, assuming you love them. Um, what if the person who cut you off was your, you know, your, I don't know, your best friend or someone you actually really cared for? What if you knew the person who cut you off had a woman in the back about to give birth and on their way to hospital? So would that change the aggression with which you entered that exchange? And would you go, oh, of course I understand. And have you ever cut somebody off in traffic. I'm just saying we're not perfect people. So if you can come from that, give people the benefit of the doubt perspective and look for a different intention and assume a positive intention, you're likely to show up with a much better state yourself. Do you think that we've become a whole lot more self-focused and so therefore we have more road rage, we have more shopping trolley rage, we have more... um, uh, uh, in the workplace, everything's like, they're doing this to me. <laughs> like, it, it, because the, the way that we seem to have gone less caring about the community and more focused on the individual, does, is that having an impact? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, please, I'm getting my soapbox. Here we go. Um, absolutely. And for me, this is one of the biggest travesties that I see right now is that I feel like the world is uh, sitting on a trigger like we, we are so easily triggered now. Our threshold for snapping, you know, at our neighbour, as you say, as the trolley person, all that sort of stuff, it's just uh, we are too easily triggered. I, there's a number of things. I mean, just to have a look at what's going on in the world, the media has a lot to do with that. The messages that we let into our world, um, 
who we allow to dictate the motivations behind other people's actions. You know, people, I want to say, make decisions for yourself. Think, you know, really, like put yourself in that person's shoes. Think about, is there another reason that you can ascribe to that kind of behavior? Just, can we just be kinder to one another? We have enough going on with bumping into somebody and just assuming that they're being an ass. Yeah. And it's funny how people seem to get offended so easily about stuff that has nothing to do with them whatsoever. Why is that? Why, you know, and there's a lot of internet trolling and a lot of bullying and a lot of other stuff going on. But why? Why do we care what other people think? That's a great question. And when it comes to caring what people think, I go from the perspective of... uh, if you care so deeply, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's a double-edged sort of perspective. You want to, particularly in communication, the value of your communication is, is reliant on or you can tell the value of your communication based on how people respond. So you actually need to care about how people respond. You want to see, did it land? Is that what, you know, did they understand me correctly? So you want to care about what other people think. But not to the extent that you let their determination of you determine your value, your worth in society. So it's almost like you have to have as much as a, of a Teflon buffer when it comes to what you let in as you do um, being able to let things in. So this is particularly relevant with feedback. And I see this a lot with feedback, helping people give it and receive it. So I talk about the feedback filter. So first of all, you need to be careful of who you ask feedback from. Do you respect them? Are they qualified to give you feedback? Is it your neighbor across the road who just happens to have an opinion louder than yours and which you let in? So who's giving you the feedback and from what perspective do they come? What generation? What experience? And is that still relevant for what you want to achieve? And if it's no, 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 then it's a no, 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 no. Mm. You don't pay attention. But if it's a yes, then you take the bits that make sense. Mm. I, I think there's there's danger in listening to other people or listening to the masses too often. I see this in the movie industries where they'll make a movie and then they'll have a test audience and then change the ending based on the test audience and stuff it up versus having an art house film who's creating a film for the film's sake. Mm. And it might get less mass appeal, but it becomes a... a, a, a a standalone piece that speaks for itself. So with your business and creating it as you've done quite successfully and you're now you know, speaking around the place and consulting with different people, what have been a couple of the, the key learnings you've had along the way that you'd like to share with other people? What are the shortcuts that you'd like for people to be able to take so they didn't have to suffer like you do? <laughs> uh, hi, good stuff, quickly. Uh, so shortcuts... That's a really good question. I would say back yourself. One of the things I've noticed, particularly in this industry, and let's face it, you and I work with some pretty phenomenal people, right? So it's, it's, it's easy to go to a conference and be blown away by someone and their expertise. And it's very easy, as I talked about before, to look at someone's uh, you know, CV and go, oh, look at all the people they've worked with and all that sort of stuff. And it can be very easy to see the grass as much greener and you've got to remember that those people have dedicated their particular lives to some particular skill and you've made choices to dedicate your life to some other areas and you've had a different path. And so this whole idea around running your own race, for me, 
has been a long time coming. I've spent a lot of time idolizing people and you know, uh, following role models, which I think is a great learning experience. But, this is not an and, this is a but, you really need to, as we said, you need to separate when it becomes modeling and when it becomes mimicking. And you need to really, A, know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you can't make choices that are congruent for you in a courageous way that's right for you rather than, you know, working for the man or what you think society expects you to do. So you have to know yourself inside out. Um, then you make choices based on what's right for you. I'm going to go a bit woo-woo here, Warwick. Go woo-woo. All right, let me do it. I'm going to, here I go, here I go, people. I'm going to say, do what feels good. I know, it's, it's just, it's as simple as that. Um, I think it was Joseph Campbell who said, follow your bliss. Yeah, just literally <laughs> do what feels right. So when I built my business, it, there's no way 13 years ago I would have said, my business plan is to be X, Y, Z. I'm like, my business plan is to become a coach. That's all, I, that's all I knew. That's all I saw. It was nothing. But one you know, piece of work led to another piece of work. Coaching leads to training with the teams, leads to speaking at conferences, leads to writing books, development programs, all that kind of stuff. And you grow, you grow into that. And for me, it was a matter of choosing it based on what felt right for me and being aligned with what I was good at. Then it's not like working. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was the philosopher Kierkegaard who said that life has to be lived forward but understood backwards. So, so often you'll make choices that feel right and when you look back you go, oh yeah, this is why. And um, it's, it's been... It's got me where I am, uh, and, I, and I love that philosophy. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute joy speaking with you. If people want to get in touch with you, and I know on your website you've got a, a stack of resources, including some free downloads and that sort of stuff, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Dub, dub, dub. Are we still saying that now? No, we're not. Oh, we're Only not? old people say the Ws. Oh, I thought that was so cool. No, no. Just, oh, just I'm so uncool. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, www. No, no. Oh, we don't even say that. No, we don't need that. All right, so it's just my full name. It's com, and it's spelt A-N-N-E-L-I Blundell, B-L-U-N-D-E-L-L. Excellent. So we'll put that link in the comments and the notes so you can get access to that. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been great chatting. My pleasure. Thanks, Warwick. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I've been your host, Warwick Merry. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success.